Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday, baby. We're going to set this week off right by sending you into a fit of rage. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. So much to get through and so little time. Who's ready to watch the internet world burn? I know I am. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another week and welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am your host, Boogie Bumper. Hopefully for the next hour or so, I hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I certainly have. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you didn't, well, I don't know. I guess that kind of puts you on the second tier of fandom. Kind of puts you on the next rung below the super fans. The best of the best. The cream of the crop. The top of the pops. The bee's dick. And all the associated euthanisms. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I had a lot of stuff planned for tonight. I had a whole show ready to go and then like half an hour before I went live I got all of these different articles in one that was shared by James and I'm like well now I just have to throw out the whole show plan and start from scratch and here we are because that's how we roll it's very fluid on this program very fluid speaking of fluid (laughs) I'll let you in people often say I don't talk enough about you know my personal life so I'm going to give you something I'm going to give you something to chew on. Took the dog to the beach the other day. First, second time at the beach, but first time she's been allowed to run. And she's a big breed and a hunting dog, but she's only like five months old. So uh, she loves to get up into a gallop. She was bred to run and chase shit. And so we've got a nice big long lead, a 30 meter lead. And everything's fine. She's running around. She's sniffing around. She's running down to the water running over the dunes, getting ahead of speed up. I'm throwing the ball. She's going 100 miles an hour after it. And then uh, a family approached over the dunes on the beach. And I want to give you a little tip. If you have one of these 30 meter leads, make sure you have a strong grip on it because when she went going, nearly cut my finger off (laughs) the lead. So I now have a, uh, a burn, which is probably going to scar on the inside of my index finger, right where it bends, right in the bendy part, so it can't heal. So every time, you know, I, I close my fingers, I clench my fist and release it again, it opens up this blister and a whole bunch of pus flies out. You'll be pleased to know. So just a little pro tip. A <laughs> little bit of insight. To what my last couple of days have been like. But we'll get the hang of it. Um, if a little bit of pus goes in the keyboard, that's fine. We'll, we'll sort it out. We'll deal. We'll deal with it. 
here on the Boogie Bumper, the Daily Boogie Podcast. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to learn more about my pus, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Like I said, I had a whole show planned, but that's good because now I have half a show planned for tomorrow. So let's get right into it. The first article here was shared by James only a matter of minutes ago from the Wall Street Journal. The WSJ. Nike nixes Betsy Ross flag sneaker after Colin Kaepernick intervenes. <laughs> My first thought was, wait, Colin's running Nike now? <laughs> He's got to be the first guy in history who was employed to be the face of a brand who ended up running the company within a year. I mean, maybe I've got Colin Kaepernick all wrong. Maybe I've maybe I've pegged him incorrectly this whole time. Maybe this whole time he was a business genius. I mean, think about it. Even though he's not playing football anymore, he still did get millions of dollars for doing absolutely nothing. This guy is a business savant and he's gone from merely being the face of Nike to now running the company. Sneaker makes uh, Sneaker Maker pulls Independence Day themed shoe after NFL star raised concerns about symbolism. So we are admitting that symbolism is a thing now. <laughs> Don't you love the idea though that Colin Kaepernick got on the line? He got on the phone to the big dicks down at Nike and said, you know, I really wish you had to run this past me first. I, I really think you should have listened to my concerns before you release this shoe. I like to think that Colin Kaepernick, when he goes into the Nike headquarters, just parks in the CEO's car car space at the office. You know what I mean? What the hell are you doing? Oh, sorry, Colin. Sorry, didn't I didn't recognize you. Please, by all means. Just goes in, walks into the CEO's office, sits down on his chair, sits down at his desk, puts his feet up on the desk. <laughs> he running the show. He's running the show now. Down at Nike. Nike is yanking a USA-themed sneaker featuring an early American flag after NFL star-turned-activist Colin Kaepernick told the company it it shouldn't sell a shoe with a symbol that he and others consider offensive, according to people familiar with the matter. You know, I don't like this shoe. Is, Is this the first guy who was paid in history to be a sponsor of a product who openly disagrees with the company that's paying the sponsorship money? Imagine if you were an Olympian. Imagine if you were a gold medal winner back in the 80s and you get put on the cover, you get put on a Wheaties box. And then the next week in the paper, uh, it's, you know, Boogie Bumper attacks Wheaties for posting offensive, you know, posting an offensive image on their cereal box. It's like, aren't we just paying you to smile and shut up? What the hell? Why do you think you have some input here? But apparently he does. The sneaker giant created the Air Max One USA in celebration of the July 4th holiday. Independence Day is racist. And it was slated to go on sale this week. The heel of the shoe featured a US flag with 13 white stars in a circle, a design created during the American Revolution and commonly referred to as the Betsy Ross flag. 
After shipping the shoe to retailers, Nike asked them to be returned without explaining why. <laughs> okay, everybody, here's your 4th of July celebration shoe. Uh, we're going to need those back. Why? What's wrong with them? We're just going to have to get them back from you. Really? I think they look quite good. I've got a number of people interested in this in this sneaker. Why Why do I have to send them back? Uh, just kind of want to get them back. That's all right with you. Why can't I know why? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Nike has chosen not someone in the chat says, it is racist, but so is America. <laughs> <laughs> the Independence Day. The Independence flag. The War of Independence is racist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Nike has chosen not to release the Air Max 1 Quick Strike 4th of July as it featured an old version of the American flag. After images of the shoe were posted online, Mr. Kaepernick, a Nike endorser, apparently not. Apparently not. He's not, he's not a Nike endorser anymore. He's now a Nike critic. Paid to criticize the very company that pays him. Reached out to company officials saying that he and others felt the Betsy Ross flag is an offensive symbol because of its connection to an era of slavery. An era of slavery. So it's not actually connected to slavery. It's connected to an era when slavery existed. Believe it or not. It, it's, it, it in of itself, it is not a racist symbol. But... It was a symbol at a time when slavery existed. Therefore, it's racist. <laughs> you, you just can't keep up with this stuff, can you? Imagine, imagine pulling a symbol of the United States' escape from imperialism, right? The United States' liberation from an imperialist, tyrannical regime in the United Kingdom and having it and ripping that off the shelves because somebody thinks it's racist. I guess you should have just stayed in the monarchy. You should have just stayed part of the British Empire because everything would have been fine then. Right? Right? The design was created in the 1770s to represent the 13 original colonies, though there were many early versions of the American flag, according to the Smithsonian. In, 19, in 1795, the stars were added to reflect the addition of Vermont and Kentucky as states. So how should the Nike boffins celebrate Independence Day in the United States? What could they replace this horrifically racist and offensive uh, Independence Day flag with to best maybe a rainbow flag on the back of the shoe? Now, now we're talking. We get a nice rainbow flag on the back of the shoe. Celebrate Independence Day with a rainbow flag. Maybe an Antifa flag. Ah, yeah. Nike to release Antifa flag design. Now, surely nobody could be offended by that. How about a picture of Che Guevara or a hammer and sickle? Maybe we just go full circle and put the Union Jack on the back of it. <laughs> Nothing could, nobody could possibly be offended by any of these things. But I like that. There are concerns around symbolism. Symbolism. And what's the symbolism here? Symbolism in pride for the United States. Pride for the United States fighting for its independence against the United Kingdom. That's the symbolism at work here. 
They admit it. This flag, this flag which was around during the War of Independence is now an offensive symbol of racism. They're coming for your history. Everything about it. History needs to begin in 1971. Everything before that is awful and wrong and racist and evil and needs to be purged. May the history books rewritten to reflect the true story of the Battle of Independence. That being, it was a bunch of racists fighting another bunch of racists waving racist flags, which one day ended up on the back of a Nike shoe, which wasn't sold because it's racist. Because the guy hired to promote the shoe didn't like it. There you have it. Well done. Well done, Nike. Um, I came across this the other day. I want to show you. Just keeping on the independence theme. And again, I just want to wish my American brothers and sisters a happy Independence Day, regardless of the racist imagery on the back of Nike shoes. I'm sure most of you are okay. Wait, most of you are racist, I think. This young lady will be celebrating Independence Day uh, in the way that a true American should. A modern, progressive, postmodern celebration of independence in the United States. Let's check it out. Yes, the country the country that was founded on a spirit of entrepreneurship, of making a go for yourself, of rebellious entrepreneurship, free market capitalism, and not being dependent on the government. The legacy of the United States lives on in this generation. Fuck it, I don't pay taxes. What you gonna say? Kiss my ass. I love it. Celebration of not working, not earning your own money, being entirely dependent on the government for handouts. What you going to do about it, bitch? Yeah, motherfucker. Um, this is when I like to highlight the point that a lot of people like to talk about poverty in the United States and, oh, the poor people, the poor people. Yes, the poor people struggling to make ends meet. Uh Unbeknownst to themselves, the people who push for, would you say, a more equitable fiduciary situation. Dispense with capitalism. We need more equality. Steal from the rich and give to the poor. In global terms, the poorest people in the United States are among the richest people in the world. Evidenced by the fact that you can spend all day sitting on your staircase, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, 
posting on Instagram how fucking awesome it is that you don't have to work, you don't have to pay tax, everybody else funds your lifestyle, what you gonna do about it, bitch, right? Now, I don't particularly care if she works or not. I couldn't care less. Could not care less. But then again, I don't really care about this person, generally speaking. <laughs> Let's carry on with more wisdom. Fuck the government. I'm raping this shit sitting on my ass. It was the laziest rape of all time. Guess what? This bitch doing better than you, bitch. Well, uh, what you can decipher from that rant, good luck to you. But well done, young lady. You are by far the best people on earth. You are the best people. Keeping on 4th of July, just before we get to our main topic here. Uh, an investigation, ladies and gentlemen. Fireworks-related injuries on the 4th of July. Who is she yelling at? She's just yelling at everyone. He released its latest report on firework-related injuries and the numbers may... It's time to ban all fireworks. Far too many people are being hurt by fireworks. Can we ban assault crackers? Can we ban assault fireworks, ladies and gentlemen? Far too many injuries. Think of the... Won't somebody please think of the children? Surprise you, a surgeon at Orlando Health reached out to Channel 9 anchor Nancy Alvarez today after he said he has noticed a very serious trend every year here on the 4th of July. Dr. Brett Llewellyn has seen a lot in surgery at Orlando Health, but his shift on the 4th of July last year left him shaken. Started operating at 7.30 a.m. and then I operated straight through for 34 hours without a break. He operated on 15 people. And uh, I just want to point out that this surgeon had um, a little American flag badge on his hat. I really think that he should probably be referred to some kind of oversight body for potentially brandishing an offensive image, especially on this, the week of the 4th of July celebrations. Uh, as we all know, anything to do with the 4th of July or the United States Republic's independence from the tyrannous empire of the United Kingdom is necessarily steeped in slavery and all to do with racism and nothing to do with independence and nothing to do with escaping an imperial disaster. So... I just want to make that clear. Just want to point that out. And uh, reparations for all, of course. So um, if we could please get the name of this guy and refer him to the medical board for brandishing an offensive image on the 4th of July, that would be most desirable, I suspect. And says the injuries related to fireworks were gruesome. Several of them lost multiple fingers, and out of those 15, three of them lost their entire hands. We poured over the latest fireworks annual... Reparations now in the chat asks, can someone tell me what kafefi means? I can, but first you must pass a series of tests. There are three tests in order for you to learn the secret of kofifi. Now, first, I want you to travel to the southernmost tip of Florida. There you will see a palm tree surrounded by pine trees. You are to wait there 
from 11pm till 1am, at which time you will be approached by a dwarf named Winston. Now, Winston is going to come up to you and he's going to ask you a question. He's going to say, from where does the sun rise? And when he asks you that, you are to say, there is no sun on the dark side of the moon. Winston will then take you aboard his boat and take you to Cuba, where you will go, you will bypass Guantanamo Bay and land on an undisclosed beach where you will be met by Jose. Jose is going to take you deep into Havana, into an underground bunker. He's going to sit you down in a room where you will stay for no longer than 17 minutes. You will not receive food or water during this time. There is one telephone on the wall in this bunker, which will ring, and you are to answer it precisely after seven rings. This is most important. If you don't answer it after seven rings you will be shipped directly back to the United States and you will never learn the secret of Kofifi. Not six, not eight, but seven. On the seventh ring, you will answer the phone and a trap door will open up and you will slide, slide, slide down a hole into a laundry basket where you will be met by Donald Trump and a team of his advisors where you will then discover the secret of Kofifi. This is your mission if you choose to accept it. A report from the Consumer Product... Thanks for joining us, by the way. Thanks for sharing the show out. ...Product Safety Commission. It shows fireworks were involved in 9,100 injuries treated in U.S. hospitals last year. 62% of those happened in one month. Wow. Between June 22nd and July 22nd. It's got to be some kind of coincidence, surely. All of these injuries happening between June and July, that's some kind of coincidence. It isn't because they're letting off the racist firecrackers, surely. And nearly half of those injured were under the age of 20. Ah, The most common age of patients, children between 10 and 14. Ban all children. The majority of injuries that are seen in the ED are from sparklers themselves. Yeah, they make up over 20% of the injuries. People don't realize that a sparkler that you give a young child can reach a temperature of over 2,000 degrees. Yeah, it's hot enough to actually burn through metal. Mm -hmm. Dr. Llewellyn also believes attempts to show off on social media are just putting more people in danger. (laughs) Isn't this natural selection? Isn't this natural selection? Like, if you put some firecrackers in your asshole and light them and say, hey, this this shit's going to go viral, and you melt your lower intestine, isn't this kind of like God's way of sorting the wheat from the chaff? Why are we stopping this? Everybody should be given fireworks on the 4th of July. Free fireworks. I would support Bernie Sanders and other socialists if, forget about free education, not interested. Free healthcare, not interested. Reparations, not interested. Give everybody fireworks. Then we'll see who's who. Then we'll then we'll sort the wheat from the chat. Then we'll figure. Then the cream will rise to the top. Because more than anything, you know, I do get concerned about children uh, melting their faces off on the Fourth of July using fireworks unsupervised by dumb, idiotic parents. But that. That sympathy is superseded by my need to watch viral videos of children getting hurt by fireworks. <laughs> That's the kind of guy I am. That's today's society. Don't blame me. Blame society. Blame the culture.
people are getting more and more bold and trying more and more. Um, yeah. I'd say courageous things, but that's not the white, right courageous. word. Uh, they're trying more and more things that just shouldn't be done. Uh. He says use common sense and take precautions or better yet, stick to the professional shows uh. as he hopes for a slower holiday in the ER this year. Uh, don't hold your breath because I think people are getting dumber by the second and fireworks are getting more powerful and there are more and more temptations for people to get viral videos on the internet. So let the good times roll. Speaking of flags, this was an interesting one that I, I just caught not long ago. German lawmakers moved to enact three-year prison term for burning the EU flag. Not the German flag, not the French flag, not the United States flag, not the Belgian flag, not the Polish flag. No, no, no. Burn away. Hopefully using your fireworks to set the things alight, if possible. No, you can burn those flags because those flags, like the American Betsy Ross flag, are just symbols of racism, symbols of slavery. They need to be done away with. They need to be left in the past. So the German flag, the French flag, the British flag, these are all awful, awful, awful symbols of oppression. But the EU flag is something different. The EU flag is special. The EU flag was designed by well-meaning, more intelligent people than you. The EU flag was designed and put in place by people who just want what's best for you. Namely, the unelected bureaucrats that run the EU socialist superstructure. In the near future, under newly proposed laws in Germany, purposely damaging the symbols of the European Union could result in a fine or a prison term for up to three years. German lawmakers in Saxony have moved to pass fresh re legislation, pardon me, which seeks to take firm and effective action against those who aim, whose aim is to disparage the fundamental values of the European Union. People who are against the European Union will soon be regarded as criminals. The reputation of the symbols of the European Union, the German regional newspaper Zabraker Zeitung reports. If approved by the German parliament, the law would make rendering the EU flag a circle of 12 five-pointed gold stars laid over a blue background, either, quote, removed, destroyed, damaged, unusable or unrecognisable, a criminal offence which is punishable by a fine or three-year jail sentence. Proponents of the newly proposed law claim that while the right to objective or legitimate criticism will continue to be protected, the EU flag represents, quote, a commandment of self-esteem. Now, we understand your right to be objective or level legitimate criticism, but you must understand... You must understand, comrade, that the EU flag is beyond criticism. The EU flag is beyond objective or legitimate criticism. The EU flag commands self-esteem, which Germany, as one of its founding members of the supranational organization, seeks to protect, quote, protect against malicious contempt. The law also seeks to guard against any disparaging of Beethoven's Ode to Joy, a song from the final movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which has appropriated to serve as the organisational anthem for the Council of Europe and the European Union 
just another song for racists, I suspect. Beethoven's Ode to Joy. Because remember, uh, in the time of Beethoven, there was still ra- there was still slavery in the world. It was in the slavery era, which encapsulates uh, encapsulates all of human history up until about well today, because there's still slavery in Africa and the Middle East, and Eastern Europe, and in Asia. So I guess everything right up to this minute is in the era of slavery and should be banned. We should ban all flags, ban all anthems, ban all nations, ban all writings, ban all philosophy, ban all of history, ban it all, because it was all created in the era of slavery. Right? Makes sense to me. The new legislative proposal comes on the heels of a similar move made by the widely despised arch-globalist Emmanuel Macron, which made the display of the EU flag mandatory inside of all of France's classrooms. (laughs) So while they're trying to take national flags, hold them up as a symbol of oppression, of racism, of evil, of horrific uber-nationalism, which must be done away with. The EU flag, on the other hand, needs to be displayed in all of the classrooms so all of the children can learn to salute it as they walk in because this is a good flag. This is good symbolism. EU, good symbolism. French flag, bad symbolism. Rainbow flag, good symbolism. Betsy Ross flag, bad symbolism. You see how this works? National populist leader Marine Le Pen, who recently called on Macron to step down from his post after he and his centrist party were rejected by the French people in last month's EU elections, has criticised his efforts to impose this flag in the schools of our children. There you have it. Burning the EU flag will soon be a crime. Burning the German and the French flag is to be celebrated, mind you. The sooner we replace all national flags with either rainbows or Antifa flags, the better. I think, anyway. All right. want to show you a little bit of this. This is David Kay. And this is what I do in my spare time, which is very boring, by the way. I'm a very boring person. He gave a speech recently called Speech Police, The Global Struggle to Govern the Internet. It's had a whopping 196 views from the Carnegie Council for Ethics in International Affairs. This guy's job is to monitor uh, freedom of expression online for the UN, just so you know. And in this part of the speech, he talks about new laws being passed in Germany in regards to regulation of the internet and uh, these various platforms and what they have to do in order to... Uh, fall into line with these new regulations that come from Germany. Yes, the very same Germany which (laughs) wants to make it a crime to burn the EU flag. (laughs) Punishable by three years in prison. That very same Germany. Let's have a look. So I think it's important for us to see the companies as actual governors of expression around the world. Now, And that has more we're off to a good start <laughs> as my eye starts twitch- twitching Mm-mm-mm-mm. it's important to see these companies as governors of expression around the world no no it's not no it's not 
I don't think we should. I don't really think we should see private corporations as governors of free expression around the world at all. Really, to be fair. To be fair. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if they are not actively protecting and promoting free expression, then they should be governors of nothing. But that's just me, and that's that's obviously. Uh, in the era of racism, which we have now established, is right up everything right up until this very point in time. Because there's racism, there, there is slavery happening in the world right now. In Africa, in Asia, in Eastern Europe, and the Middle East. Not in the United States, mind you. Not in the UK. Not in Australia. But pretty much everywhere else, there is slavery still happening. It is still the era of slavery, the golden age of slavery. Just so you know. More or less impact around the world. Our discussion in the United States is different than the discussion in Myanmar, is dis- different from the discussion in Germany, France, or the UK, different from the discussion in New Zealand, where there's different kinds of traumas that we see from different kinds of technologies, but all rotating around these platforms. And they have this massive power to to handle this work. So that's the first part. I think we need to really conceive of the companies as real adjudicators of expression in the digital age. Oh. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? We did the story last week about Facebook uh, now inventing its own cryptocurrency. And signing partnerships with companies like MasterCard, Uber, right? So you will be able to engage in financial transactions directly through Facebook with all of these other companies. The Libra, it's called. The new Facebook cryptocurrency will be directly tied to real world currency. And their stated aim is, you know, quote, we want to replace the global financial system. So what could possibly go wrong then with a company as large as Facebook creating its own replacement for the global financial system and then also being the adjudicator of what is appropriate and not appropriate to say online? What could possibly go wrong? Yes, once upon a time, ladies and gentlemen, the people who like to think of themselves as progressives or leftists amongst amongst us, once upon a time, they would have reeled in horror that the thought of a private corporation running the global financial system and deciding who can and cannot participate in that system, they would have thought this is the most awful thing imaginable. And now, like the good little hollow slaves that they are in the era of slavery, being whipped by their corporate overlords, do nothing but mouth the very same empty epithets. This is a good idea. It's about time. (laughs) All the wisdom of an inanimate object. Right. In a way that um, I think makes the discussion around whether the companies, uh, the the platforms in particular, are publishers and editors or they are mere conduits, right, just hosts of information. That, that, That discussion doesn't really quite capture what is happening on social media space. It's the impact and the power of the companies that I think we need to be focusing on and asking, what should we do about that? Okay, so that's the first 
sort of laying out of what the companies are doing, right? So imagine that you are, let's like just go back a few years. Imagine that you're in Germany and it's 2015, right? So what's happening in 2015? It's not really about social media. It's not really about media at all. It's about Chancellor Angela Merkel making this really remarkable decision, which to my mind is, is the most um, striking example of how Germany is different than what you know, many of us might have thought of Germany growing up, really since maybe Willy Brandt was in Warsaw and dropped to his knees. Um, Angela Merkel making the decision that Germany would welcome in one million uh, refugees, migrants, others, basically coming from the war in Syria, the war in Libya, and other places of trauma around the world. Not only were most of them not coming from places of trauma, they were coming from places that weren't experiencing war at all. And it wasn't one million as best estimates because nobody can keep count, not even the UN. Uh, it's closer to three million, not one that made the journey. And they're still making the journey, believe it or not. It was a major statement, but it was also... <laughs> it was a major statement, all right. It said to the world, we care, not, we care not for international order. We care not for national sovereignty. <laughs> that, that was the statement. The, the usually ruthlessly efficient and planning and intelligent German people decided to just throw it all up against the wall and see what stuck. More than a statement. It wasn't just symbolic. It was a, an actual policy that was changing Germany in many respects. And it reflected a changed Germany. So... In general, certainly from outside of, of Germany, there was this deep respect for that. But what was happening in Germany? At deep, deep respect. <laughs> Around the world, as millions of unvetted, unknown entities were entering into the European Union and into Germany, Whilst people from security agencies around the world were saying, hey, there are a large percentage of people in these groupings that are, you know, jihadi fighters and stuff. To hell with that. We found weapons on the way to Germany on the trail that these people were walking. Forget about that, you Nazi, you bigot. <laughs> That's unimportant. German police in, in various states in Germany have, re, have reported a surge in crime that they have never seen before in their lives to the tune of hundreds of a percent. So much so that various constabularies in Germany have made it illegal to report on the ethnicity of the person perpetrating the crime because this would fuel anti-migrant sentiment. Open the borders. Who cares? Ah, oh, this, this got a lot of respect around the world. <laughs> Very respected move by the Germans. The Germans! The time. Right, so think back to the summer of 2015, and you might think of that summer, you might remember some of those images. <laughs> Ducks Regionus in the chat. The best was when they offered dollars to leave, and the migrants said, fuck you, we're staying. <laughs> you might remember the, the image of a Hungarian camera woman kicking uh, migrants who were coming across the border into Hungary. She tripped one. She didn't kick it. She, she didn't kick him. She tripped him over. You might remember the image of Ayan Kurdi, the young boy, three years old, who was killed in his effort to cross the Mediterranean in order to get to Europe. 
Do you see the lies by omission going on here? And we've spoken about the picture that was going around very coincidentally at the same time as of the Democratic Party debates, right? A couple of days before the Democratic Party debates, the picture is being circulated of the of the man and his young daughter who drowned in the Rio Grande, right? Face down on the bank of the river. And I made the point on this show and on Trust and Verify that this is exactly how the migrant crisis in Europe started, with the image of that small boy washed up in the be- on the beach. Because that image was uh, splashed all over the publications, the corporate media publications in Western Europe, along with questions like, is this who we really are? Can't we do better? Can we not open our hearts? Can we not be more empathetic? And then what happened? You saw what happened. About three million people came in and all of the subsequent flow-on problems occurred. Now, in the world of the UN, this was a very respectful thing that Germany did in order to show the world that they are no longer Nazis. Yep. They had to prove themselves to the international community that they were racist no more. And they did so by opening their borders and allowing around 3 million people completely unvetted to flood in. All on the back of this image of this boy washed up on the beach. Now, what they don't tell you is the reason why this boy was washed up on the beach. This boy was living with his father in Turkey, far removed from any particular conflict, far removed from any war zone, far removed from hardship. His father was working in a stable job, but his father had a problem with his teeth. He needed to see a dentist. And he heard that new arrivals to Germany were getting free dental checks. So he grabbed his children, jumped on a boat, headed for the free dental checks in Germany. At which point the boat crashed. His family died. He survived, mind you. He lived. But his family died. At which point uh, the father was interviewed and he blamed Europe for the death of his son. Yep. It's Europe's fault. They should have they should have sent a private plane to go there and pick him up to get him that free dental check. Now all of this is omitted constantly. Um, his face down on the beach. These were the images of that summer. And at the same time, many on the far right, the neo-Nazi right, and this strongly anti-immigrant right in Germany were starting to use Facebook and to a certain extent YouTube and Twitter in order to incite hatred against the immigrants. The- or, or, just, or just tell the truth about things. <laughs> Remember what he said at the beginning? We need to think of Facebook and Google and Twitter as the adjudicators of what is right and wrong online. We need to consider them as the governors of free expression worldwide. We need to. Migrants, the refugees who are coming into Germany. And so at the time, the Minister of Justice, uh, who is now the foreign... I remember writing an article. Do you remember the... um, 
the sex attacks that occurred on New Year's Eve in Cologne and various other cities around Europe, mainly in Germany, but there was about half a dozen different cities. And the the true story of this attack was withheld from the German people for a full week. For a full week. For a full week, people were reporting that they were attacked and raped at various um, New Year's Eve gatherings around Germany to the police. That went ignored. And for a full week, people were pressing the corporate media in Germany to report it, which they did not. And from memory, the German taxpayer-funded media outlet, I think its name is Zijan or something like that. I can't remember. It starts with a Z. It starts with a Z. So someone can look it up. They issued an apology to the German people for not reporting the true story of what happened in Cologne on New Year's Eve for a whole week. The reason that they gave for not reporting the true story of what happened in Cologne on New Year's Eve was because they did not want to fuel right-wing political parties. They didn't want to give ammunition to the anti-immigration parties in Germany. You see, in the United States and the UK and other Western nations, we often argue and pontificate on the ability of the corporate press to act as a kind of propaganda arm for you know a, a global corporatist agenda. Might have been Zeitung, thank you. We often we often argue and debate it. Is it really propaganda? Is it really fake news? It's probably a little bit, maybe not a lot, blah, 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 blah. In Germany, the media outlets, the taxpayer-funded media outlets, legitimately come out and admit that they withhold reports so as to not to give ammunition to one particular side of politics. And, and for this, we should be congratulated. This is a good thing. We are the adjudicators. We are the governors of what is right and wrong. Not you. Not the politicians. You should think of us as the adjudicators. Here is an image of a small boy. You are to cry. You are to open your borders. What about all the rapes that happened on New Year's Eve? <laughs> There's no need for this. There's no need to report this. We would merely be giving ammunition to the far right, and we cannot allow this. So in Germany, they just openly admit it. Minister of Germany, Heiko Maas, he saw that, and he started to get um, concerned, in particular because many... You might be wondering who these people are in the audience here. Great question. Uh, there are various people from various countries and various bureaucracies seated here. There's probably about 100 people at this little talk from this guy who is employed by the UN to monitor free expression online worldwide. Uh, there are ambassadors. There are envoys, various diplomats, various bureaucrats from international organizations such as the EU, the UN. The United States is represented here somewhere. Uh, there's a commissioner from New Zealand, I think. So these, these, this collection of people here listening to this stuff are the people who have the most power in our world, at least on a political level. They get together and have these little dinners and these little talks and talk about things like free expression and we need to consider Facebook to be the adjudicator and the governor of what can and can't be said online global corporations 
And these are the people who are elected or just implanted in bureaucracies worldwide to make regulation and policy for you. There is a whole subterranean world in politics that goes beyond going into the election, going into the voting booth and pulling a lever. A whole subterranean world of, you know, critters that do not like to be exposed to sunlight. Who spend day in, day out, relentlessly trying to figure out ways to fuck your day. To come up with new laws, to come up with new regulations, to rationalise the laws and regulations they already have. To control you, to tell you what you can and can't do. Day in, day out. And you're paying for it, by the way of his constituents, many Germans were writing to him and saying, why is it that Facebook will take down a female nipple, but they won't take down incitement to hatred? Right? What, what is that about? That isn't German values. At least that isn't German law. Right? German law has, I wouldn't say the strictest, but has very significant rules that are in you know, longstanding rules around the dissemination of hate speech, right? the dissemination of images uh, of the Nazis uh, around yes, rock criminal insults to protect you from yourself. Well. And so Heiko Maas saw this. He was under enormous pressure, but he was also himself, I think, extremely concerned about the use of, of Facebook in particular in order to incite violence and incite hatred. And he wrote to, to Facebook and said, what's, what's going on? Right? You are not doing what you need to do. You're not even addressing your own hate speech rules in order to deal with this major problem that is affecting our country. In other words, <clears throat> the politicians of Germany who were terrified, petrified of the rise of the right-wing parties who stood against their European Union mass migration open borders agenda, the politicians who are terrified of this situation wrote to Facebook and said, hey, do something, you're making us look bad. People putting out their little facts about migration, their little crime statistics, right? They're inciting hatred, and you need to stop it. You're making us look bad here. You're making it harder for us to screw the population of Europe. Right? This is a public policy problem for us. This isn't just a problem of what kind of content is on your platform. This is about what are you doing as a platform in order to deal with the kind of content right, that is inciting violence in our streets. There were firebombings of, of refugee centers. There were attacks on specific refugees and non-refugees. I mean, Germany is a diverse country. Right? It's not as if someone on the far right can distinguish who's a refugee and who is a citizen of the country. right? So Yeah, I'm sure plenty of citizens were living in the migrant centers. <laughs> But putting that to one side, I don't advocate violence of any kind. But can you see the agenda here? Can you see the agenda here? Now, if we're talking about incitement to violence, look at the omissions here. The stabbings, the rapes, the terror attacks. Who's inciting that violence or what is inciting that violence? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You see, to have that kind of a conversation would be to merely give fuel to the far right. The neo-Nazis, ladies and gentlemen. 
And if you give fuel to the far right, they will then use that fuel in order to incite hatred themselves. And that's what needs to be stopped, right? Forget about the various media outlets in Germany refusing to report things because they're afraid of giving rise to the far right. Forget about the various police organisations in Europe who refuse to give out accurate statistics for fear of giving rise to the far right. Forget about the politicians in Western Europe who lobby and campaign against platforms like Facebook in order to do their job for them. Forget about all that. Remember, we are to consider these platforms as the adjudicators and the governors of free expression, not ourselves. That responsibility is to be taken out of the hands of the citizens and placed into the hands of these international corporations. So, so in that environment, Heiko Moss said to the companies, and this was basically to Twitter, YouTube, and YouTube, remember, YouTube is owned by Google. So it was Google, Facebook, Twitter, and, um, and Microsoft, I think, at the time as well, invited them in and said, look, we need to fix this problem. And by fix this fix problem, it. he meant Let's you need to do it. what I tell you to do. And so they yep. created basically a non-binding code of conduct that the companies were meant to, to follow. Right? And it was around hate speech. And this, in this non-binding code of conduct, the companies had agreed essentially to take down content that constituted hate speech under German law. That was their commitment. It was a voluntary commitment, a set of voluntary guidelines. And over time, Heiko Maas and his team at the Ministry of Justice uh, in Berlin, they really thought Facebook in particular had betrayed them. I love how these things always start out as a voluntary thing. I watched, um, for the sake of nostalgia the other day, I watched one of my favorite movies, a movie called 12 Monkeys with Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis. Now, I'm not, if it was made in 1995, so I'm, I assume everybody's seen it. But in the beginning of the film, Bruce Willis is in prison and <laughs> the people who run this little underground society say, oh, good news, we're taking volunteers. And a big crane comes down from the roof and picks you up. Of course, you have no choice whether you volunteer or not. And this is the way I like to characterize when governments ask for voluntary acceptance of a new protocol or a new policy, right? Yeah, it's a voluntary commitment, but we strongly urge you volunteer. It's like, in various, if you've ever done any kind of writing at a university level, like a creative writing course or something like that, they will now give you a whole list of words that you uh, it's strongly urged you do not use because they could be considered offensive or not inclusive to the audience, right? You can Google up these lists yourself if you want. They don't say that you are banned from using these words, but the, you know, <laughs> the professor or the faculty would like to strongly urge you take a, take note of these suggested alternatives, usually worded in something like similar something to that. You won't get kicked out of class if you don't use them, but it may affect your overall score at the end of the semester. Just letting you know. It's voluntary, of course, though. Don't be silly. We're not forcing you to use these words but we strongly urge you use these words lest your score be affected at the end of the course. Right, that they weren't doing what they were 
uh, what they committed themselves to do on a voluntary basis. And so rather quickly, by, by early 2017, so this non-binding um, set of, of guidelines had been in effect for about a year. Hekomas didn't see much movement or incremental movement at best. And he told his team at the Ministry of Justice, you know, this soft law, this isn't doing the work. We need hard law, right? We need, we need the, the hard edge of enforcement under German law. Sounds and what good. he did was he moved towards what we now know as the Network Enforcement Act. Uh, in German, it would probably take me seven minutes to say it or pronounce it. We know it as NetzDG, right? It's the Network Enforcement Act in Germany. And NetzDG basically says to the companies, if you are of a certain size, if you make a certain amount of income annually, right, you will be subject to these rules. And these rules mean, one, you need to be transparent about what you're doing. You need to report to us, the government, every year, actually I think it's twice a year, about the nature of your uh, takedowns of content. What are you doing to evaluate German laws? And secondly, if you do not implement, and this was the hardest edge of it, if you do not implement a new set of rules around hate speech um, and, and other rules of, of German law, if you don't implement them systematically, you'll be subjected to fines that could go up to uh, 50 million euros per example. Wonderful. So think of the double think at play here. You are to consider, you are to think of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube as the adjudicators, as the governors of free expression on the internet. But really, the governments are always there lurking with a sharp bayonet in the small of their back, marching them to more suppression, more censorship, more takedowns, more control. Because we wouldn't want to give rise to the far right and we wouldn't want anybody to incite hatred online now, would we? Because that would make us look bad. And if you make us look bad, we are going to end you. We are going to rip money out of your pockets. We are going to throw you in prison. If you make us, the ruling class, look anything but supreme. In the brave new world. The link to this um, speech will be in the show notes. <clears throat> as are the articles that I refer to during the show. One more here to send you out on a high note. I'm going to keep on the internet freedom stuff because it's not going away. It's only going to intensify. So the links to all that will be in the show notes. Florida, the Florida man. Florida police on lookout for Hamburglar in fast food break-ins. There he is, the Hamburglar. Gee, I wish he, I just wish he had a worn the uniform, don't you? Florida authorities are searching for a burglary suspect who's been wryly christened a modern-day hamburglar because he allegedly broke into two restaurants and cooked himself a snack before stealing from the establishments. <laughs> All of this time, the movies have been lying to me. I always thought the whole point of a robbery was to get in, get the goods, and get out as quickly as possible. This guy breaks in... Fires up the grill. 
The security cameras are watching him. Chops up a bit of onion. Where the hell do they keep the ketchup in this place? Is it next to the till? Is it next to the money? <laughs> the Martin County Sheriff's Office released surveillance photos of the man on its Facebook page Friday. He most recently used a brick to smash the door of a Wendy's in Jensen Beach, started up the grill, and cooked himself a burger before taking a safe. Wow. <laughs> Utterly fantastic. The man tried breaking into a third business, a gas station, but couldn't gain entry. Officials described him as being in his mid-30s, about six feet tall, with a tattoo on his upper left arm, and I would suggest and a very satisfied look on his face. Potentially with a little bit of mustard on his chin. <clears throat> Potentially. He was wearing a baseball cap, khaki shorts, and a black, uh, black tank top during the Wendy's heist, the sheriff's office said, and a napkin. He had a napkin coming out the top of his tank top. Well done. That is, that is very ballsy. <laughs> Only in Florida. Hey, while I'm here, while I'm here, I may as well make myself a snack. And isn't that isn't that what freedom's all about? We can have all of the arguments about flags being racist and in the era of slavery, but that is by far one of the most American things that I've ever seen. The American love for the hamburger is so strong and so profound that even your criminals can't escape with a safe full of money without frying themselves up a bit of Americana. Oh yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> I'm not going to let this opportunity go to waste. But dude, with all the money you can buy a hamburger yourself. Fuck you, this is freedom, baby! Freedom burgers. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you'd like to cook me up a freedom burger before robbing me blind, you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Thanks everyone for listening. I'll be back tomorrow at 11 p.m. Be sure to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS for the best 15 minute data downloads on the interwebs. And the preacher man, Chris Mack at ChrisMC44. Until tomorrow, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Have a great night. Don't forget, if you are going to rob somebody this 4th of July, make sure you don't leave with an empty stomach. America! All right, guys. I'll be back tomorrow at 11 p.m. Until then, have a great day. Bye-bye.